0: Hello, and welcome back for another Toasted Tale with me, Jim. I'm really happy you decided to join me today around the fireside. If, like me, you enjoy hearing stories, then you've come to the right place. I think there are interesting stories to be found in every subject. They're just waiting to be researched, found, and shared. In this podcast, we're going to take a random subject and use it as a seed to do some research, and in that time... I'll do my best to find a story within that hopefully I and you can find enjoyable. So let's bring in the subject randomizer, spin the wheel, and find out what today's topic will be. Alright, so today it's landed on Contadora Island. Now, just for clarity, I am not an expert on Contadora Island, and I've never visited the place either. I'm just a guy who likes looking at random subjects, finding an interesting story, and learning a thing or two along the way. So as not to keep you all waiting, I've already done the research for Contadora Island, and I'm really excited to share with you what I've found. I think most of us in our time have at some point wanted to go to a tropical island to take a load off, while the sun can help us work on our tans. If you are making a choice from the thousands of such islands, then you couldn't go too far wrong by picking Contadora Island, off in the Gulf of Panama. Now, there would be a choice of countless stunning islands you could choose from within this gulf, but few come close to Contadora for its history and intriguing mystique. Being the 11th largest island contained in the Panama Gulf's Pearl Islands Archipelago, It luckily has an airport, which thankfully would mean you wouldn't have to paddle the 50-odd miles from the coast of the mainland to the island. But what a paddle it would be. With turquoise and teal waters, you'd probably first find yourself on one of the 13 stunning white sand beaches. And whilst there, why not go around the island? As you take the 25-minute trip round the coast, then you'd be treated to a near-perfect climate providing a cornucopia of sights, from luxurious and expensive beach houses nestled in immaculate landscape grounds to crumbling and decaying building relics slowly being choked out by the jungle vines. All these islands in the Gulf were originally lived on by indigenous peoples until the Spanish explorers arrived in the Gulf in the early 16th century. It was in the year 1513 Where these invaders made their home on the Contadora Isle and violently asserted their ownership of the piece of land over the natives. Their particular interest in these islands were the wealth of pearls that could be found near the shores. In order to complete this hard work, they imported African slaves throughout the 16th century as the work demands increased. The pearls from there would then either go across Central America, then by boat, on its long voyage back to mainland Spain, or across the east to Manila or Nagasaki. The descendants of these cruel times were left there after the Spanish left, and were joined by Panamanians to live the quiet islander's life. Even around this time, the numbers of people living here were small. At around 200, the small amounts of people living there allowed for it to stay as a quiet, secluded home for many. In more recent times, however, perhaps one of the most striking things about those living on the island was that surrounding the comfortable locals were a spattering of millionaires seeking the serene and sparsely populated retreat. In the 1960s, a sprawling, elegant resort was constructed and became a prestigious haven for the rich, consisting of over 300 rooms and an elegant dining room where sumptuous meals and elaborate drinks were served. It was said the champagne flowed like a fountain. Numerous outbuildings were built to accommodate the richest of the rich and their diverse and extravagant pleasures. Fame really hit the island in 1979 when the Shah of Iran chose Contadora Island as his haven following his exile. This was after the Iranian Revolution of the same year, where the Pahlavi dynasty was overthrown, and the country replaced the government of Shah Mohammed Reza Pahlavi with the Islamic Republic under the new rule of the victorious revolting factions. During his time here, he purchased multiple elaborate homes in the area. But interestingly, due to tax evasion issues, he then had to rent them out to tourists. But his arrival had a dramatic effect, and suddenly the resort on the island became the exclusive and expensive holiday destination for the rich and famous. Hollywood stars such as Sophia Loren, Christian Dior, Elizabeth Taylor, John Wayne, and the Kennedys each bought private getaways, or resided in the now famous resort. Interestingly though, there were rumours of a dark underbelly of this resort, and though it was never formally confirmed, the story went that the prestigious resort on the island was owned by Colombian drug lords, and used as one of their high-class money laundering oasises. These rumors became even more intriguing when the former hotel owner, a Colombian entrepreneur by the name of Carlos Arango, died in a mysterious plane crash in 2005. It was widely believed that Arango had deep connections with the Colombian drug cartels and definitely had a reputation around the island. Known as a bully by other businesses on the island, a fellow entrepreneur named Jason Young, who owned a glass-bottomed boat that he used to take tourists out to sea so they could see the fish underneath, said that many of the small business owners in the tourism sector felt threatened and had been harassed, chased away from the island by goons working for Carlos Arango. Typically, Arango would start a competing business and then destroy Literally, the original from which he had copied and made his own. Owning businesses and other hotels, as well as part of the famous resort, was perfect for laundering money. I read during the research of one popular tactic, which focused on the hotels, where a unscrupulous business owner would fully book out all of the rooms, regardless of how many guests you had and from all of these fake guests you could get them to buy food and concierge services, as well as many other fees that could be added on, all of which would have added to a income that they could claim from all of these guests, real and fake, and it was a really good way of laundering massive amounts of money. Now Contadora was also perfect for transporting narcotics, with its crags and caves along the coastline, suspicious nocturnal boats could get up to numerous nefarious activities under the orders of a man like Arango. Also, if you look at a map, Contadora Island is a perfect stopping off point in between Colombia, where the massive drug cartels were based, and Central and North America, which had their biggest market at the time in the United States. When, therefore, in 2005, Carlos Arango's plane crashed, an investigation was launched to identify the cause. Little did the investigators know, however, that this would only create more questions. The pilots who were flying the plane were reported to have been experienced professionals. The plane had recently passed its 100 hours inspection and was in good shape. Well, so considering the company that Orango kept, how many people on the island, and also in Panama and other nations, he had riled up, and in the businesses that he dealt in, his death looked incredibly suspicious. And still, up to this day, the cause hasn't been identified. Now, following the death of its notorious owner, the resort racked up serious debts, and quickly got into financial troubles. It turns out that fake guests don't pay the bills when there's no one there to organize the operation. The resort was eventually abandoned, and the skeleton of it still remains on the beach of Cantadora. Even though the forgotten beach resort sits on some of the best real estate on the island, it was never sold, or taken over by new management. I suppose it's wise to stay away from a drug cartel asset, that may be under DEA investigation. As time went on, and after a little bit of time out of the spotlight, the island of Contadora moved into the public sphere after the reality show Survivor was filmed there. Suddenly, it was no longer reserved for the wealthy and prominent. Tourism has been welcomed back and the eyes of speculating investors have once again moved towards this lovely destination. And several modest hotels and villas have been built, restaurants serving international cuisine are available, and local shops have sprung up to cater to tourists. And if you do decide to make the trip, then boating, scuba diving, snorkeling, day tours, a sailing club, and whale and dolphin watching awaits all travellers. Yes, the Hotel Contadora's glory days have disappeared into the annals of history. To quote a 2002 newspaper article, quote, The champagne ran out years ago, end quote. But this paradise island has not fallen to its knees in abject defeat. On the contrary, it is an awakening island jewel. Crying out to be noticed and appreciated. Thank you for taking the time out of your day and spending it with me around the fireside. I really enjoyed learning a bit more about Contadora Island. I was really worried at the beginning that it was going to turn into a travel, come visit here sort of episode. But it didn't. There was a lot more beneath the surface that we are able to find. And I love that. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, then I release new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday. The best way to stay in touch, and also on top of whenever new episodes are released, is by following me on Twitter. My handle is at Podcast Tale. That's all connected. And it's there that I release new episodes, and also share anything interesting I stumble upon. So follow me at podcasttail for more. Thank you again for listening. Connecting to you all through this podcast really is the greatest joy. I hope you all have a lovely rest of day, and I will speak to you all again soon for another Toasted Tale Around the Fireside.